Hello, my name is Barbara St. Fleur and this is a new podcast. So I really enjoy reading short stories and I remember reading a lot of short stories when I was in high school that I really enjoyed. So I decided it's time to get back into some of the things that I love to do. So this podcast is dedicated to reading short stories, whether they are dark humored or they're just silly stories. And I wanted to start off with some one that I actually know that I actually like and it is The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. He is one of my favorite um, writers and let's get started. True, nervous, very very dreadfully nervous. I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The the disease has sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not not dumbed them dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I hear all things in the heaven and in the earth. I hear many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how calm I can tell you the whole story. It is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived, it haunted me day and night. Objects there was none. Passion there was none. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me. He had never given me insults. For his gold I had no desire. I think it was his eyes. Yes, it was this. He had the eyes of a vulture. A pale blue eye with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold. And so by digress, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. Now this is the point. You fancy me mad. Madman know nothing, but you should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded. With what caution, with what foresight, with what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him and every night about midnight I turned the latch of his door and opened it oh so gently and then when I had made an opening sufficient for my head I put in a dark lantern all closed closed that no light shone through and then I thrust in my head Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunning I thrust it in. I moved it slowly, very, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the opening, so far that I can see him as he lied upon his bed. Ha! Would a madman have been so wise at this? And then, when my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern cautiously. Oh, so cautiously, cautiously, for the hinge creaked. I I undid it in just so much that a single thin ray fell upon the vulture eye. And this I did for seven long nights. Every night, just at midnight, but I found the eye always closed. And so it was impossible to do the work. For it was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. And every morning when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him, calling him by name in an earth 
hearty tone and inquired how he had passed the night. So you see, he would have been a very profound old man indeed. To suspect that every night, just at twelve, I looked in upon him while he slept. Upon the eighth night, I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. A watched minute hand moved more quickly than did I, did mine. Never before that night had I felt the extent of my own powers, of my sacnicity. I could scarcely contain my feelings of triumph to think that there I was, opening the door, little by little, and he not even to dream of my secret deed or thoughts. I fairly chuckled at the idea, and perhaps he heard me, for he moved on the bed suddenly, as if startled. Now you may think that I drew back, but no. His room was as black as pitch with the thick darkness, for the shutter was closed fastened through fear of robbers, and so I knew that he could not see the opening of the door. And I kept pushing it on steadily, steadily. I had my head in and was about to open the lantern when my thumb slipped upon the tin fastening and the old man sprung up in the bed, crying out, Who's there? I kept still and said nothing. For a whole hour I didn't move a muscle. In the meantime, I did not hear him lie down. He was still sitting up in the bed listening, just as I have done, night after night, hearkening to the death watches in the wall. Presently I heard a slight groan, and I knew it was a groan of mortal terror. It was not a groan of pain or of grief. Oh no, it was the low stifled sound that arose from the bottom of the soul when overchanged with awe. I knew that sound well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it, was, it has whelped up from my own bosom, deepening when its dreadful echo, the terror that distracted me. I say I knew it well. I knew what the old man felt and pitied him. Although I chuckled at heart, I knew that he had been lying awake ever since the first slight noise when he had turned in the bed. His fear had been ever since growing upon him. He had been trying to fancy them causeless, but could not. He had been saying to himself, It is nothing but the wind in the chimney. It is only a mouse crossing the floor, or it is merely a cricket, which has made a single chirp. Yes, he had been trying to comfort himself with those suppositions, but he has found all in vain, all in vain, because death, in approaching him, had stalked him with his black shadow before him and enveloped the victim. And it was the mournful influence of an unperceived shadow that caused him to feel, although he neither saw nor heard, to feel the presence of my head within the room. When I had waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open a little, a very, very little crevice in the lantern. So I opened it, and you cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily, until at length a simple dim ray 
like the thread of spiders, shot from out of the crevice and fell full upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with the perfect distinctiveness, all a dull blue with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow in my bone. But I couldn't see nothing else of the old man's face or person. For I had directed the ray as if by instinct, precisely upon the damp spot. And have I not told you that what you mistake for madness is but over acuteness of sense? Now, I say there, there came to my ear a low, dull, quick sound, such as a watch made when enveloped in cotton. I knew that sound well, too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It increased my fury as the beating of a drum stimulated the soldier into courage. But even yet, I refrained and kept silent. I scatteredly breathed. I held the lantern motionless. I tried how steadily I could maintain the ray upon the eave. Meantime, the hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder, I say louder, every moment. Do you mark me well? I have told you that I am nervous, so I am. And now at the dead hour of the night, amid the dreadful silence of that old house, so strange a noise at this excited me to the uncontrolled terror. Yet for some minutes longer, I refrained and stood still. But the beating grew louder, louder. I thought the heart must burst. And now a new anxiety seized me. The sound would be heard by a neighbor. The old man's hour has come. With a loud yell, I threw open the lantern and leaped into the room. He screeched once, once only. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. Then I smiled gaily to find the deed so far done. But for many minutes, the heart beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall. At length it ceased. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone, stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there many minutes. There was no pulsation. He was stone dead. His eyes would trouble me no more. If you still think me mad, you will think so no longer. When I described the wise precaution I took for the concealment of the body, the night waned and I worked hastily but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head and the arms and the legs. Then I took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scatelings. I then replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. 
There was nothing to wash out. No stain of any kind, no blood spots, whatever. I have been too wary for that. A tub had caught all. <laughs> when I had made an end of these labors, it was four o'clock. Still dark at midnight, as midnight. As the bell sounded the hour, there came a knocking at the street door. I went down to open it with light heart, for what had I now to fear? There entered three men who introduced themselves with perfect suavity as officers of the police. A shriek had been heard by a neighbor during the night. Suspicious of foul play had been arose. Information had been lodged at the police off office and they, the police, have been deputed to search the premises. I smiled, for what had I to fear? I baited the gentleman welcome. The shriek, I said, was my own in a dream. The old man I mentioned was absent in the country. I took my visitors all over the house. I baited them search, search well. I led them at length to his chamber. I showed them his treasure, secure, undisturbed. In the enthusiasm of my confidence, I brought chairs into the room and desired them here to rest from their fatigue while i in the wild audacity of my perfect triumph placed my own seat upon the very spot beneath which reposed the corpse of the victim the officers were satisfied my manner had convinced them i was singularly at ease they sat and while i answered cheerily they chatted of familiar things but ere long, I felt myself guilt pale and wished them gone. My head ached and I fancied a ring in my ear. But still they sat and still chatted. The ringing began more distant, distinct. It continued and became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling, but it continued and gained definitive, definiteness until at length I found that the noise was not within my ear. No doubt I now grew very pale, but I talked more fluently and with a heightened voice. Yet the sound increased, and what could I do? It was a low, dull, quick sound. Much such a sound as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I gasped for air, and yet the officer heard it not. I talked more quickly, more venomously, but the noise steadily increased. I arose and argued about trifles in a huge key and with violent gesticulation, but the noise steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I paced the floors to and fro with heavy strides, as if excited to ferry by the observation of the men. But the noise steadily increased. Oh God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore. I swung the chair upon which I had been sat and grated it upon the boards. But the sound arose over. All and continuously increased. It grew louder, louder, louder. And still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it possible they heard not? Almighty God, no, no, they heard, they suspected, they knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. 
This I thought and this I think. But anything was better than this agony. Anything was more tolerable than this derision. I could bear this Hippocratic smiles no longer. I felt that I must scream or die. And now again, heart louder, 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 louder. Villains, I screeched. Disassemble no more, I admit the deed. Tear up the planks, here, here. It's the beating of his hideous heart. That is the end. I really love this story. Um, I've read it so many times since I read it my first time in high school. It is, again, The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Thank you for listening and do come back for another story.